I just wondering what your opinion on this because I don't have a big opinion on Pantera, but it was basically. Uh, I love how you call him Pantera. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to stop. So <laughs> don't try and correct me. <laughs> Hey, up and welcome to the Temple of Blair podcast episode 31. No Dave again this week, and that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Again, the better alternative is here and uh, reporting, ready for uh, duty. So, um, on time, have you, on budget. Have you had, to, have you had your uh, pre drink episode this, uh, this time or not? A pre drink episode? My pre episode drink. You, pre- you want to fucking start again? <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> you pre you pre episode uh, drink like last time when you were I don't know presumably a bit tipsy. Um, no, I didn't. I've got coffee this time. I right. didn't know. I can't remember. I, I can't remember having a beer last week. I wasn't shit faced or anything. I just can't remember. Right. Well, you just said from the very, from the get go, you just said, "Oh, sorry, I've had a drink, so I might be slurring my words a bit." Um, but maybe that's just just your excuse when you're tired or something. Um, <laughs> it is midday, so if you said if you said you'd had a drink, I'd be a bit worried about you. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for your concern. Only, well, yeah, well, a superficial concern. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was just a mare last week, so I probably just had a, a, a drink before, and I was probably concerned that my accent's already strong enough and alienating enough to yeah. um, uh, to warrant a, a disclaimer saying my normal vowels will be even more airy. Well, that was but, the gist of it, but I just just wondering if that was going to become a habit or not. You never know. Shit could turn bad. <laughs> well, okay. Well, keep me updated because it's it's four in the afternoon currently. So, uh, if you ever, you know, start an episode at this time and you say you're shit faced, then uh, maybe I will <laughs> form an intervention. Thanks. Right? Should we uh, should we kick it off with the news? Should we want to give me give, give me some news? All right. All right. We sounded very enthusiastic today, aren't we? We should start earlier in the day. You know, we should actually. It's, quite, should. it's not a bad idea. Sun, sun shining on my back and everything. I'm feeling good, right? <laughs> so, the first, I thought I'd start with the. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's all pretty like taking the piss news. So it's gonna the the tone of this fucking episode is gonna drop immediately now. But um, I thought I'd start with the obligatory "Who the fuck asked for that news?" segment, which was uh, disturbed again <laughs> around five-part comic series uh what's it gonna be about it's about their mascot which i didn't know they had a fucking mascot the mascot is called the guy the guy with the, the hood up and the eyes yeah i didn't know uh, he was called the guy as well i just thought he was well it's not the not the most creative name of all time let's be honest <laughs> he's getting his own action figure and his own comic series so a disturbed comic series is coming to comic stores near you for fuck's sake <laughs> which no joined the um, yeah, the Anthrax bandwagon of everything that can be sort of made into anything should be made into anything. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, almost directly below that article was an uh, article about Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden's, I don't know, whoever, Eddie or the Trooper or someone getting their own, mm. a, new, uh, a new action figure series or line or something. So, uh, yeah, on these like, subjects. Do you like Disturbed? Well, considering I'm questioning... You know, how the fuck they got funding for a comic book series when that tells you everything about my opinion of Disturbed. I, I I kind of struggle with it as well. I don't know. I, I guess I just came into it at maybe a wrong time and I just never really got it. The thing, the thing is, they got they got a lot of clout and a lot of like um, praise for that cover they did of The Sound of Silence, which is yes. fucking awful. It's, it's just, it's so melodramatic and over the top and... Um, my brother, especially, who's a big fan of Simon and Garfunkel, like really fucking hates that cover. It's mm-hmm. such a, it's almost like a, it's a fucking Glee cover, isn't it? It's it's part of that Glee era where everything's over the top, fucking high school musical bullshit. It it's so it's just bad. It's just. I was not gonna good. make another comparison. It's the Mumford and Sons formula. You know how Mumford and Sons kind of made it popular to sort of like sing quality and then sing loud, and that was now a dynamic in songs. Consistency mm. was no longer a factor. It was right. like they deployed that formula onto the Sound of Silence, which is obviously a universally revered song. Now I think like hadn't they been away for a while at that point, and this was like their comeback thing. Um, possibly they they definitely been out of the limelight at least. You know they yeah. haven't been in the charts or anything. I don't think, but um, that was. I mean that that's been that song has been covered like now on you know, 
America's Got Talent and all that shit now because it's like being launched into um, the sort of mainstream, with, uh, you know, with with music casuals, let's call them, which it wasn't before so much. And I'm not saying it's an obscure song or anything. I'm just saying it wasn't mm. the obvious choice to um, showcase your vocal talent, which it is now for a lot of people who, you know, didn't branch outside of pop music so much or modern pop music. And it's, it, you know, for people like my brother who are quite big fans of Simon and Garfunkel, it's just so sacrilegious um yeah but yeah I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to turn this into a tirade against disturbed but uh i'm always gonna ask things i do actually like this band do you not like this band because I'm, I'm always interested in i mean the whole idea for me is to keep talking about this stuff so i can further articulate and, and increase my vocabulary and how i like talk about music and it mm. kind of helps to sort of invite any discussion in that regard so for me like disturbed are like it's like five finger death punch but 20 years ago well, that's the part of like. um, to so me the part of the, part of the era of like Creed and um, I don't know. I'm trying to be a bit more diplomatic than name bands that you've actually interviewed. Uh, I don't know, Static X maybe. Um, Do you get there's else? a new metal vibe to it, but it's not massive. It's not like no, um, but it's part of that era. It's very it is, it's like yeah. part and parcel of like Kerrang, pretty rock friendly sort of music. Kerrang TV, I'm, which sure, I'm, I'm sure you mean, not Kerrang, which has been around since 1981. Yeah, Kerrang music. That's that's really yeah what I mean when I talk about Kerrang, because that's what I kind of grew up on, like um, Scuzz and MTV2 and P-Rock and Kerrang music channels. That's how P-Rock like, was, I was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I was listening to um, P-Rock playlist on YouTube. I don't know if I sent you that. Oh, no, send that to it, us. It's got about 80, it's pretty much every song they ever had, like, you know, when, you know when you know when you were like younger, obviously you weren't ringing up to like uh, request songs. You were just hoping a, a particular song you liked came on yeah. know, after about an hour's time. So you never really knew how many songs they had on the on their entire playlist. I mm. think this pretty much covers all of them. There's about seventy, uh, which is mm. not a lot. Um, there's some real there's some real cringe fests on that fucking on that fucking playlist. Do you remember the song? Um, I wish I was a girl. Yes, Violent Delight. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's just the one that stands out most to me. There's uh, there's a few others, but they're so like they're so random. Like the topics of the, that that era, that era like punk. Like it's hard to remember what random words they were using as the core as the hook because it wasn't like "I love you" or something. It was just random fucking words they were using. They like got a thesaurus out and decided to use that word as the hook in the chorus. That's what a lot of it. There was a lot of rancid on that playlist, by the way, which is I was. I kind of I kind of skipped that one. It was formed by two lawyers who were bored mm. and bought the channel. Like, because I think you just buy like I think it was like channel six six five or something like that. Whatever yeah. it was, I think it was just a vacant. I think they were in the four hundreds or something. But it was yeah, it changed a lot. Yeah. It changed it changed the damn lot actually. If now six hundred were kids TV, four hundred was was music. No, four hundred was sports. Then music. Then it went down to three hundred. I think. Anyway, mm. anyway, um, they basically just need to buy a slot in Sky TV on in the programming, and it cost them like three grand a year, and that was it. And then. And then I think the rest of it was just fucking right. Give us your music videos for your all your weird underground ska bands that won't ever get heard ever. <laughs> uh, it really was, but I mean they had the, they had some good songs though, like some real catchy songs on there, like these the most obscure punk bands with like the cheapest you know production videos. Um, it's a different time on it. It's a different time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Where were we going with this? <laughs> uh, well, we're talking about disturbed. I, I was talking about like that era of yes, who I associate them with, and another band that I, I couldn't remember the name, which I just looked at, was uh, Godsmack. Who you? I know you're not that familiar with either, because I just randomly mentioned them to you. I'm like, oh god, how oh, shit, we're fucking Godsmack. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I was watching one of their like music videos on, on YouTube, and like the comments were positive, and I'm thinking. Where the fuck have these dirty moshes crawled out of? Like that are all so positive about it. This is so cringe. That's fine. That I, brand I'm... of kind of tough guy, a tough guy. But I've got my eyebrow pierced. Music. Uh, <laughs> that is new metal, isn't it? Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, that's that's who I associate like disturbed with. They're, they're kind of similar bands. They're kind of like yeah, yeah. Big, certainly of big their choruses, time. but they think they're big choruses. They're not that big. 
kind of thing. Anyway, I didn't want to shit on this third, but that was the first news article, which I thought was quite funny. And speaking of comic books, there are, I mean, Bounce and I listened to do a comic book, or at least one in mind, which is Coed in Cambria. That was like by design, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, like the first, I don't know, I guess six albums, I think, were based all over a very like convoluted story, which was also turned into a comic book. Um, and I queued up outside a comic book store once to get a few comics signed by them. So that's how sad that's I was. Cool. Uh, I've still got them. I don't know if they're worth anything. I doubt it, unfortunately. Gerard Way was like, he did the inverse. He wanted to be a comic book sort mm. of writer and then sort of became a musician. It, it yeah. wasn't like, it's like when Rob Zombie wants to be like a filmmaker, but he ends up being a musician. Mm. There's all like these double lives going on. Yeah, you can see that in the sort of, um, I think my chemical romance were kind of a, a vehicle for some, you know, narratives, some operatic narratives, especially the Black Parade, obviously. I think like when I, because I've been reflecting on my chemical romance a lot recently like in the last week, because we were talking as about guilty, pl- yeah, 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 as you do. Yeah. We were talking yeah. about guilty pleasures last week, and we talked briefly about it the week before, and I just started watching the Umbrella Academy, right. and it kind of like the amount of hate that band got it kind of, I feel, isn't justified anymore. Even if you really hate that kind of aesthetic, I kind of, I sympathize a lot more with Gerard Way and because and, he was more of a theatrical performer mm. and it makes more sense because he had a writing background. Yeah. It makes, everything just sort of stacks up because it's not like fucking arrogance and, and him being fucking pumped up. It was just, it, it was by design. It was, it was just delivered in the way that he wanted to deliver it. You know what I mean? But well, by, I think, contrast, I think by, some... con- by contrast, cool. just, just to illustrate, by contrast, Attack Attack, doing Crab Core, is something right. different. Well, <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. All I'm saying is Gerard Way, like, he, he built up like a persona that was, that was informed by art, which he was contributing to, which he was writing, mm. which he was expressing, and he was channeling through different kind of mediums, which is why we ended up like with a fucking World War II video for, what is it, Ghost of Something, and mm. why he was very sort of like, he looks really well on camera, like with the video for um, yeah. I'm Okay, I Promise. He's not out of place doing that stuff, and I think he got shot on a lot for being extra theatrical because it felt kind of mechanical. It not felt mechanical, it felt more... Well, in the way it was put, it didn't feel authentic. Whereas, by contrast, hmm. if you've got like a particular vibe, like Attack Attack, which is the crab core stuff, that, that does feel inauthentic in its delivery to me. Um, yeah. Well, that's strange <laughs> because my next news article is Attack Attack related. And um, I was oh, sort perfect of. Perfect segue. I, I was, um, well, I, I was, I was going to address your points about my chemical romance as well because I think, um, yeah, I, I agree. To an extent, but then a lot of bands were doing things like that. I mean, you look at the fucking puddle of mud. Is it a blurry? I think the name of the song. Is yep, blurry. Yeah, where he's it's it's free because you know that was like one of the first singles, and he's like sort of playing a step not stepfather. I guess he's playing the real father to this child in in the music video, and it's mm. it's so weird looking back on something like that now, where the where the lead singer is playing a playing a role in a sort of subplot. In the music video, this is like and he's, a and he's topic. hugging this random child and stuff. This is a topic yeah, but, for but, like a, a dedicated podcast to, I think. Yeah. Like, now that you mention it, now that you still continue, but now that you mention it, <laughs> there is loads of weird shit like that. I was thinking about Lamb yeah. of God's Redneck, right? Where, and the video for that is Lamb of God get hired to do a children's party, <laughs> and it's right. just really on the nose, and it's kind of awkward. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so that's. I mean. I don't know if that that's so prominent these days. I think with um, certain bands like Panic at the Disco or something, it is because the uh, lead singer, I think it's Brendan. It's either Brand, Brandon, Brandon Yuri. Um, Good lad. He he's a he's very um, dramatic, isn't he? And um, I mean, no. Panic at the Disco have always been like that. Actually, they've been always been sort of like pantomime in a way. Um, not in a, not a bad way. I'm not saying that disparaging way, but you know, you look at like the first album, the second album, like that's very, it's very like pantomime, and you can understand that, like just from their music, you can see where they're going with that. Um, whereas, like Puddle of Mud, when you see that, it's a very uh, part of the sort of hard rock, new metal era, and then he's also, you know, playing a 
playing a role in this music video and this subplot is where it's like hugging this random child actor. It's just strange. It just it comes across that that's that's what comes across as quite like inauthentic to me. Uh, yeah. Even though you know I like that. That's a good song. That's a banger. That song. To be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really have any. Hindsight plays a big role in it, and I think it's like when we first saw it, like we were just cringy fucking teenagers, so it made more sense. But now we look yeah. back on it, we're like, um, yeah, what? This is strange. Yeah. yeah uh, well, and I, I think, think like, the epitome of this should be Huber Stank's the reason, shouldn't it? Yeah, that's true. Um, although he doesn't do a lot of acting, in that he sort of just stands at the side on the pavement singing. Uh, to be fair, yeah. But yeah, what I'm, what I'm saying, what point I'm making is in that era, I guess it was a bit more common. So I don't think like Jared Way um, singing in a church with dancers behind him and stuff like that seemed that out of place or seemed that strange. But uh, I mean, my main criticism of the band was that you know thematically it hadn't been done before, and to me it was quite alienating to see a very emo band, very like Hearts on Their Sleeve, then then try and become more of like a concept band and you know release a concept album essentially the black parade mm. and it's yeah. all thematic and it's a bit it's just became a bit pretentious because it's like is this type of music you know the most like the best vehicle for this kind of concept because i know like code and cambria might be considered emo to an extent but they're very they're actually like very progressive in the music and they always have been you know there's yeah. been a lot of a lot of songs where it's like you know uh, uh unconventional song structures and key changes and tempo changes all sorts of things which you know is very specifically um sort of guiding the story and the narrative whereas mm-hmm. my chemical when my chemical romance did that i was just thinking like oh you know i quite liked them when they were just a lot more hearts on their sleeves authentic emo from the first album or from what i saw from the singles i'm not saying yeah. like, i listened to the whole album to like the black parade when they're all wearing suit you know they're all wearing those uniforms and stuff it just came that, across as... I didn't like that Teenagers one. That's the single I don't like. No, well, I, no I didn't like that either, but... Um, yeah. Uh, on I, mean, the, I kind of see what you mean. I see what you mean by the sort of the migration between not styles, but platforms, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think it got a lot of praise as well, unexpectedly. The Black Parade, which... Um, I don't know. For some reason, that hit a nerve with me when I was a teenager. I'm not so bothered now, but um, just yeah. saying, from my perspective, and probably the perspective of a few others who you know weren't into my chemical romance in the first place, um, just a bit cringy. But onto the uh, article about Attack Attack, not a big deal. It's just that because we mentioned the fact that they'd reunited about six months ago, mm-hmm. they've actually finally teased a new single or a new track, uh, which is coming out on Friday, April the 30th. So there's about 30 seconds worth of this new track and it sounds pretty generic. So it's got those like ele- electronic core influences in it, but I don't know, with a slightly more... Well, as as they progressed from album to album, it, it, it definitely became a lot more generic. And when... Um, uh, what's his name? I can't... Caleb Shomo. I don't know how I pulled that out because it's quite a strange name. Uh, the guy from Beartooth started singing instead when they fired like their vocalist and stuff, and he became the the lead singer. Mm. I don't I don't really like his voice to be honest, even though Beartooth are very held in high esteem and stuff. And that's why I don't really listen to Beartooth because his his voice is quite sort of grating on the ears. I uh, say about him. Well, they're quite they're quite big now these days. The Beartooth. Um, but the name, I've heard the name. I just haven't really put the time in. Well, it's like Attack Attack. We you know when they first formed, they had um, Austin Carlisle as the screamer, who um, basically got fired as soon as they'd recorded the first album. So he wasn't even there for the, you know, this the yeah, the music video that you've seen. Uh, and he formed <laughs> of Mice and Men, who became pretty big and a pretty, yeah. uh, you know, well, you know, held in high esteem in the metalcore community. And then. Yes. The keyboardist slash vocalist, um, Caleb Shomo formed, I'm pretty sure that's his name, formed Beartooth, who is like held in pretty high esteem now as well. So, I mean, Attack Attack, you know, when you were saying they came across, they come across as like inauthentic and following the trend and stuff. Yes. Yeah. At the same time, I think like it wasn't, uh, that was when, you know, at the, the early onset of this like electronic or, you know, electric, I don't know, synth 
uh, infused heavy music was, you know, coming out and becoming popular and stuff. So I'm not saying they were like musical pioneers, but um, what they did was still interesting, I think. All, all I can tell you, Shab, is I saw a man drop his hips to the floor and sway <laughs> left and right while playing guitar as if it's the most normal fucking thing to do on the planet. Yeah, well, that's why that's where that's coming from. But I think there's they some value. They normalized a lot of weird stuff. That, you, know, <laughs> you can't fault them, can you? But there might be something there. There could be like whatever, whatever sort of neurons in my brain sort of trigger and go, that's not an authentic thing. It's a forced thing and I don't like it. Mm. Must be the same as what some people thought when they first heard my chemical romance. I went, fucking hell, this is fucking just throwaway shit. So mm. there must be something there. This is probably worth unpacking. But yeah, interesting. Um, the next news article is about Dino. Uh, I'm, just not, I'm just not sure. Yeah, I'm just not sure if he mentioned this in your interview. It was um, an article from a few days ago mm-hmm. where it says he reveals exactly how he gained control of the Fear Factory trademark. Um, yeah, he, d- he went into a bit of that. So um, basically, Burn went bankrupt. Hmm. Uh, and he didn't declare all of his assets. <clears throat> so they're yeah. founding effectively in contempt of federal court, I think. I don't mm-hmm. know what the terms are, so forgive me. Uh, maybe defaulted in federal court, whatever it is. So basically, he, he his right to the Fear Factory name went up to auction. Yeah. So that was the fifty his 50%. And um, that wasn't bought out by Dino. That was thrown to auction. And then more people were trying to buy into it. So then you'd have like fucking... Jim over here going, I, I own half of Fear Factory, but I'm not in Fear Factory. So every time Dino plays a gig, he has to pay me half of it. Didn't stack up. So that's where Dino bought him out. Yeah, he ended up being the highest bidder, getting that bit back and taking control of everything, yeah, which he's still yeah, paying off. Exactly. That's yeah. that's what he said in my interview anyway. And that's ah, how okay, I understand that's, it. That's interesting because um, that is the gist. That's basically the, you know, the whole the whole article more or less you know more recently than the previous article about you know revelations by the temple of blood which is uh just about you know how revealing how he gained the control so i was just talking about that bankruptcy as well which i thought was an interesting story i couldn't recall if it was uh he'd gone into it in your interview uh but it's been yeah but this is taken from i can't remember where it's taken from now I can't find it. I saw it uh, before. I just can't remember. It wasn't Temple. Oh, it was uh, Metal Hammer, a new interview with Metal Hammer. But I suppose that was actually, you know, to be fair, broken by you earlier, prior to Metal Hammer. So. Well, I appreciate you um, giving me the credit for that. But I think he's been talking about this stuff for like the last six months. So it's not. Well, yeah. But I mean, you could at least go a little bit further back and then just give you the credit instead of Metal Hammer. Hey, man, um, I'm happy with my 1,000 views on YouTube. Yeah. Is that uh, cool? There is like a longer, there is like a song, a longer saga with it. Like for when he came back into the band in like 2009, because then you had the other two members who weren't Burton making like, there was like similar claims to it, um, to the name on that. Yeah. It's all, it's all a massive fuck fest, but um, this is what happens when you try and spread the legal ownership of things around multiple people. So, you know, when you get a mortgage, just put your own name on it. Don't put anyone else's name on it. Oh, I have them. I have them. I have them. Well, let's not talk about our finances. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the on the next subject, um, I, I'm sort of I've you know, cherry picked articles that are sort of interesting to me, so they're not necessarily metal related. Do you That's know fine. the band uh, Circus Survive? Circus Survive? No, I've never heard of them. Do you know Take a Back Sunday? Yes. You should know Take a Back Sunday. I don't know Group Love. Do you know Group Love? Never heard of Group Love. No, I've never heard of Group Love. To be fair, uh, well, do you know Seosin? Maybe it rings a bell. They were they were like well, they released like a couple of EPs before they actually released an album back in the day. They were like sort of pioneers of post hardcore screamo in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, I'll probably get called out for saying that because it wasn't like fucking. We're not talking about mid nineties era. We're talking about early two thousands or mid two thousands. So it's not like the earliest. You can't, you know, you want to talk about fucking. DC hardcore or something as the you know, origin of of uh, post hardcore, whatever. It's not going to be the same thing. But Seosin were like massive then because they've released like these two really good EPs and then they eventually released an album. So there was like so much hype around them at that time. Um, but their original lead singer, 
went on to form a band called Circus Survive, basically. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought I'd mentioned sales. Uh, and he's working on a fucking a cappella album. Good for him. Which is weird with uh, the lead singer. So they've got the lead singer from Circus Survive, the lead singer from Take a Back Sunday, and the drummer from this band called Group Love doing a cappella album, which I just wow. thought was weird. Well, EP, I guess. Uh, so it says it's pretty much 80% mouth noises and 20% this drummer <laughs> slapping things around the house, <laughs> which <laughs> I've never, I mean, I've never encountered like an acapella album in this scene before. So I mean, I might have to check that out. Yeah, I'll check that out. In the same way we checked out Soul Machine by um, or Soul Station, whatever it was by Paul Stanley. Yeah. Baby, baby. Uh, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got some news for you that you might Go like. On. Ted Nugent. Hmm? Ted Nugent. Oh, singer, oh I saw singer, this. I know singer, this, but go on. Singer of all your favorites. Yeah. Such as Fred Bear, Cat Scratch Fever, and Free Fire. Yep. Uh, he caught the old, he caught the old, um, yep. Coronas, yes, did he? Did. Yes, he did. Like a few days after what, uh, doing a sort of concert with no mask on the basis that it didn't exist or something. Yeah, he'd been going on for like, um, about a year that he doesn't exist and it's a d- democratic conspiracy. And then he came out and I nearly fucking died, lads. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. Uh, it's can, funny. He, can I, a, I, he can afford it with having sold all those guitars. And I was saying, I never said it was a hoax. I just said it was blown out of or whatever the fuck he said. Mm. It's, um, he, yeah. I, have you seen, I, I saw a, um, I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast with him from a couple of years ago. And it's pretty interesting. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions about everything, but once you listen to that, there's a few there's a few aging rock star podcasts with Joe Rogan which are really interesting because there's Steven Tyler, there was him, and um, there's David Lee Roth. And one thing I can say about all of them is they're all so fucking departed from reality. It's hilarious. Mm. Like in Ted Nugent's case, it's like he's twenty he's twenty percent totally logical, down to earth fucking really articulate smart guy and then there's 80 percent an old man just screaming at the sky it's beautiful <laughs> absolutely beautiful that, that is that is the majority of joe rogan's guests these days to be fair really yeah he's uh, taking a tumble on it because he keeps saying a lot of daft shit about covid but since he went to spotify like i used to listen to like a load of them i used to like hmm. he'd be on my regular feed um but now I just can't. Is the algorithm's just not throwing in my way? It's just not giving a shit. <laughs> so hmm, that's strange. It is a bit strange. You think they'd be trying to push it, but uh, no, they don't give a shit. Obviously, um, oh well, I'm being presumptuous, but no. Do you listen to him fairly often? I used to. Um, I mean, I, I, I cherry pick. I wouldn't like just listen to any old. Yeah, yeah. Thing. I mean, I'd still listen to like I don't know some climate change scientists or something you know same here that kind of that's what quite like yeah it's it's something a little bit further away from like the comedian like la comedian circle jerk which is normally the podcast scene Hmm. um and i kind of which there is a lot of to be fair which there is that's what i tend to avoid there's a fucking lot of that um but i still listen to him because at the end of the day he's the first person to say that he's a fucking idiot Hmm. you know what i mean so it's like well fair enough but anyway, um, that's another his interview with Tom DeLong. That was funny. Yes, yes, a lot. I love that one. I love that one. That's like, one look, of my favorites. I can confirm to you right here now that aliens exist. Can you yeah. show me anything of substance? It's classified. <laughs> yeah, he, he said he'd been to um, fucking Area Fifty One or something, didn't he? He said he'd seen, he'd been shown stuff like the government specifically. Oh, I don't know. He said he'd seen shit basically that he couldn't reveal, but that definitely confirmed the existence of extraterrestrial life. Like, <laughs> you could just see like the fucking tin hat appearing on his head. It's interesting um, because if you, if you listen to anyone like on Reddit talk about any personal experience with Tom DeLong, apparently he's just a really funny, really accessible like dude. He's just like <laughs> he's just reshifted all his priorities so that he just hunts aliens now. And he did. maybe that's just like a platform that once you move through life, right? If you weren't always a complete nut job, it's quite difficult to convince other people that this is an appropriate platform and a way to live your life. And now mm. he's just going through that transition where maybe in five years he'll be really articulate and be able to convince people that aliens are real. But right now, while he's still trying to find his feet, he just uh, sounds like an idiot. Uh, it's going to get worse. It's, it's going to get worse from here. Uh, that is the the beauty of age. Um, did you see the Did you see the podcast with uh, Travis Barker? No, I didn't. 
because he was talking about it a little bit as well. He was saying, you know, because um, Rogan, I think it, it was after the DeLong interview and Rogan sort of mentioned it, brought it up, said, um, yeah, you know, it's the, he's very like, he's like enthusiastic, very obsessed with like uh, extraterrestrial life and, you know, alien life forms and UFOs and stuff. And he said, you know, has he always been like that? And Travis Barker was like, oh yeah. I mean, when we're on tour, you know, I'm talking 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever, you know, after a show's, um, he used to like make us go out and try and, you know, for UFO spotting, to go out in the <laughs> middle of a field at night after a show to try and spot UFOs. And like they they all like pull his leg by saying, Oh, did you see that? Fuck out. Did you see that? And they'd be like, what? 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 And they just fuck with him all the time, apparently. Um, did you ever watch his, uh, his movie, Tom DeLong's movie? No. Nope. That, that he like produced himself. And filmed himself because he's got a shitload of cameras and stuff. He's got his own because he's um he's got his own like production company basically, but it's it's mostly for pushing the narrative that UFOs exist. Does it look so, anything like my my documentary, which looks like um, a fucking Neil Breen documentary? No, it, it's pretty it's pretty high value, uh, high production value. He's he's definitely like invested a lot in uh, his little studio space for it and all his cameras and things. Mm-hmm. I think it was called it's called something like In Search of Tone. In the pursuit of tone, which is a pretty weird name. Wait, hang on, hang on. Isn't that's not? Isn't that the one which has like Jimmy Page and? Um, oh, my space no, 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 no. It is no. I was right. Yeah, it is, I don't know what that one's called, but it is called Tom DeLong, The Pursuit of Tone. It's an hour and a half long, and it's on YouTube. I'm sure it's just about guitars. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a different. Yeah, I know which one you mean, but that's not. That's a different movie. I know which one cool. you mean. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've not seen it, but we need to make an, uh, yeah. need to make an effort. We need to like just take acid and watch these fucking films and well, listen I, to these well, shit I've bands. seen I've seen that one, but I haven't seen the um another one you're talking about with um White Strap, Jack White and um that's the one you're talking about, isn't it? With uh fucking hell, what's his name? Jimmy Page and Jack White and stuff. Don't know who else is in it. Was it was it Tom DeLong that was in it? No. No, it's got nothing to do with something. It's called It Might Get Loud, I think. That, oh, that's it, yeah. Well done, uh, with The Edge as well. The Edge! Uh, yeah. The Edge. But a completely unrelated film is the Tom DeLonge film called Pursuit of Tone, which is a really strange name for a guy who's just basically is just a stratocaster for the first 20 years of his career and just probably had a fucking tube screamer in front of it uh, and then started using a semi-acoustic Gibson for some reason, but never actually changed his tone. Uh, and how did we get on Tom DeLong? I, I, I have no I idea it. how we got here. I think we, I, I, hang on, when Tom DeLong went back to Joe Rogan, a Ted Nugent. That was my news bit. Ah, uh, yeah. So now if we can do it, we can do a swift break and get back onto yours. Well, the only the last news article, which isn't a big deal, was just I just wondering what your opinion on this because I don't have a big opinion on Pantera, but it was basically. Uh, I love how you call him Pantera. Yeah, I'm. I'm That's... never gonna stop. So <laughs> don't try and correct me. Uh, Philip Philip An- Anselmo. Yeah, probably also mispronouncing. He, he ranked Pantera albums basically, and. He ranked them. All oh, right, and I'm I'm assuming it's uh, a bit of a controversial ranking. I, I I haven't listened to like the full albums, but basically he's got. I'll start with number four and the mm-hmm. six, but I'll start with number four being Vulgar Display of Power. Okay. Number three being The Great Southern Trend Kill. Mm-hmm. Two Cowboys from Hell. Oh. And one Power Metal. Really, I haven't heard Power Metal in a few years. I need to give it a whirl. I think it's like it's one of those which I'm I'm keen to get back to because I'm sure there's more than than I remember. But for me, it, it's the thing with Pantera is it's kind of like um, it depends on what mood I'm in. Like Cowboys from Hell sort of like really hit home the groove metal vibe, um, or at least it really kickstarted it. But if I'm feeling like a bit melancholy, then Greatest of the Trend Kills like bang on for it. It has there's a special kind of catharsis associated with each album. You know mm. what I mean? It's like radically different each time so I, I don't find it controversial but I do I will obviously see in the comment section of that what, wherever it is so I'm going fucking fuck this yeah, is the best some... one fuck off well, the, the comments are usually negative anyway there's just a comment saying I think Rob Flynn was right about Phil Anselm I don't know what that's referring to but maybe someone does 
Presumably, saw, he said he's mad. I saw Phil and Summer talk smack about Rob Flynn at a gig in 2007. Yeah. So they they've got a history of hating each other, basically. They've, I think they've got. Yeah, I think I think they do, but I think it's also water under the bridge because they're adults. I think, and I think wow. when it all kicked off, they were children. Hmm. Um. So that's the news. That's uh, the nows. I suppose I've got my own personal news in that I was reading an article on Screamer and the different branches of Screamer. Right. And I guess uh, if you're going to ask me what I the genre that defines my formative years in music, which you haven't asked me, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of uh, a cringy revelation because it's been described on this, according to this article, as MTV Screamer. Oh, <laughs> look at you. You're fucking Zane Lowe, but without oh, an God. accent. Used to describe bands taking influence from Screamo as well as the use of heavy metal riffs, pop song structure, and elements from pioneering metalcore and mathcore acts. I mean, that does sort of sum me up, really. Sum my my taste up. Mr. Um, metalcore. Because it's like the scene was led by bands such as Thursday, Hawthorne Heights, Take a Mac Sunday, Senses Fail, Cheered Us, From First to Last, Seosin, Thrice, and Finch. And they're like all the fucking bands I listen to. And probably I would still probably listen to it if I hadn't completely worn down. You know, like when you listen to a song so many times, there's no more value in listening to it anymore. Um, basically, the back catalogue of all those bands I've listened to so much, there's no value in listening to it anymore. But if I hadn't, I still would be listening to them probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so just if anyone asks me what I like anymore, I'm saying MTV Screamer. <laughs> <laughs> there's a the the other sub branch of screamo directly above that which is interesting i never heard of before it's called sascore sascore sassy screamo <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. or dancey screamo no um, no sassy fuck dancey yeah i don't really know these bands though um it looks like I could potentially like it. So it takes influence from genres such as post-punk, new wave, disco, electronic. And as we were talking about last week, apparently my go-to guilty pleasure is like synthwave, new wave music, electronic music. So mm. there's, there's, a, there's, a dan- there's a genre called emo violence, apparently. That's emo another violence. one of them. Yeah, that's another genre listed that they take influence from. Grindcore, metalcore, and heavy hardcore. I mean, this sounds very up my alley. Um, the the genre is also noted for its spastic edge. <laughs> <laughs> this is Wikipedia, by the way. Blast beats, chaotic guitars, danceable beats, and the use of synthesizers. Sure, you can come up with any genre name just by being a bit creative with it. And I'm sure yeah, none of them well, are. A, I mean, there's a lot of bands here that are listed, but I just don't know any of them. Uh, the Plot to Blow Up the Eiffel Tower is one of these bands. That's a good name. I have to look some of these up, see what they've they have to offer. Sascore. I'll I'll come back next week with come back uh, with your report. My verdict. Sascore. I will do. Happily. Should we go into our feature? Because I've only got about ten minutes left. Uh, yeah, we can do. Uh, lazy one this week. Best gig experiences. I'll I'll start. Uh, I'll start for ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like most of the gigs I went to at the cockpit in Leeds were like my best, my favorite ones, especially like in the days before anyone gave a flying fuck about health and safety. The first time I saw Lamb of God in 2004, December, 2004, there was, it was just fucking insanity. It was, um, so loud. I had a friend who, you know, who will not be named, who was, who crouched into, in the corner and covered his ears because it was so loud. <laughs> it was really pathetic. Can you tell me the first letter? <laughs> this person. J. Uh, okay, you can tell me afterwards. I can't think, yeah. <laughs> can't think of my feet like this. <laughs> but the, it was it was a new world because I was like 15, yeah? And there were people climbing the front of house stacks, right? Two people climbing both sides, left and right speakers, and while the band's on stage playing, and they would jump over the crowd, punch each other in the face, and just fall like a sack of shit onto the floor. And it was just absolute ab- fucking pandemonium. <laughs> it was ace. It was fucking mm. ace. And at the similar time, like that's where I saw Trivium for the first time, and that's when I sort of realized, all oh, right, this is actually a massive fucking band. Do mm. you see, like, that's when we were saying, I think we might have been saying this last week, like when you see a band and you, a lot of the time, you when you enjoy a band in isolation 
Mm. And then you go to, to like the first public outing and then you realize just how poignant it is with a lot of people. Mm. That's kind of the thing that gets exciting about seeing a band. That was like a big one for Trivium. Mm. I think, uh, was that like during our sixth film days? Because I think I recall the day after you'd, you'd been. To which one? To this, Trivium. at least Trivium, yeah. Trivium. Yeah, we did. We just died sick farm, like literally that yeah. week. I, I'm pretty sure I remember the day after that, because um, I just I sort of only just heard Trivium at the time, and then I was like, "Oh, have you heard this? Uh, uh, what's the song? The Trepidation song? The Wings of Trepidation? Is it? No, Gunshot to the Head of Trepidation. That's the same. Whatever. I, I'm it's thinking not. of. Um, I'm actually thinking of a from first to last song, which is <laughs> called Wings of Pestilence. <laughs> I don't know oh, how right. I mix them up. Um, what we're we talking about, yeah. Uh, the, I just remember first seeing the video for a gunshot to the head of Trepidation. Oh, have you heard this? Uh, have you heard this trip band called Trivium? Like, yeah, I just fucking saw him last night or whatever. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And we were like, <laughs> that's sort how we of, spoke. Uh, yeah, that, that. Well, I, I found a little recording of it. Um, I don't know why. A 30 second recording of uh, us in uh, the break room in sixth form of us talking, cool. and it's so cringe. It, oh nice it's so it's just like your mum your mum mate <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm just like cringing listening to it like what the fuck <laughs> why did I record this I remember one time um, you and Stuart to count to one time I just went fucking hell Jim if only you knew oh if yeah only you knew. Oh, I remember and I was like I, won't, I wasn't biting for a second I was like I don't care <laughs> and you just yeah. kept doing it all fucking day <laughs> I want to hear a recording of that that sounds like the kind of thing we'd do all year. Probably in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway. Anyway. Anywho. Um, my, well, my, my story, I guess. I guess we're moving on to for our best band experiences or best live experiences. Mm. Um, I think it has to, uh, in, our involuntary crowd surfing has to be up there. Yeah, I went that to was see fun. Funeral for a Friend. Especially when we have bench. I mean, <laughs> you remember Stuart? He was like pushing down with all his might, trying not to get lifted by us. Which like all three of us in the middle of a fucking song, in the middle of the, the pit, like trying to lift him. Like to me, to you, just fucking launch him <laughs> on the top of someone's head. And then he, I think context is required here. So I went to see Fuel for a Friend. Uh, yeah. It was like the last, it meant to be the last gig. Oh, yeah, one last, of the last chance gigs. to dance, I think. Yeah, name. yeah. I think they were playing um, hours, weren't they? Or was it the well, we went to see probably. Casually Dressed when they played Casually the Dressed in full. Right, yeah. right, okay. I can't, I can't remember. I thought I'm sure it was ours, or maybe nah, I've just been listening nah. to ours recently. Anyway, yeah, um, and I think I don't know, I, I don't know how it started, but we just decided that some people should go crowd surfing. <laughs> yeah, I think the first victim was your your brother because he was uh, yeah smallest. Because he was just yeah, because uh, he was sort of the odd one out. Because obviously we all went to sixth form together, yeah. and he was just like. You know, it, it cut the ice. It broke the ice about two hours into the fucking experience. You know, <laughs> let's let's break the ice with my brother, who's just trying to enjoy the music and not really talking to us. <laughs> you got his right leg. Yeah, you got his left. Yep, yeah. there we go. And then um, I think we probably did you after that. Yeah, you don't have to involuntarily uh, make me crowd surf. I'll do it any day. <laughs> no, I think I managed to avoid it for a little while, and then and then we did it to Stuart eventually, and he straight up. I mean, he got he got. Um, you know, transported to the front, and then he just never came back. There was still like <laughs> yeah. three or four songs left in the in the set list. He never just he never came back. We didn't know where he'd gone. We just I found him at the end. At the gig was um, just <laughs> he knew he paid money. <laughs> he paid money to see casually dressed and even conversation. But between every song, he kept like, he kept fucking heckling the band. He kept just going, play the system. Oh, yeah. Play the system. Like, that, that, every that's, single gap. That's sort of like a habit now uh, um, <laughs> with Stuart, whereas we pick out the shitty song in like the most obscure shitty song in like a band's discography. And then between every song, he just goes, play. he doesn't even say play, he just shouts it. Like, when we went to see Issues, um, life of a nine. We really want to play. That was a good song, actually. But we knew it. We knew it wasn't on the set list because we would been on like setlist.fm or whatever. And between every song, and he was like right in front of the band as well. And I was like, I don't know this guy. I don't know this guy. And it's just like life of a nine, life of a nine. <laughs> and everyone was just like, who is this fucking guy? <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I don't know. Just sugar my shoulder. <laughs> play the system it was really loud it was Ritz wasn't it it was a Ritz in Manchester yeah yeah oh brilliant 
Fucking brilliant. And then, and then we discovered the system was a fucking cover as well. One of their songs. Oh, what other ones have I got? There was ones where um, I went to see Iron Maiden in 2006. This is like at the height of me putting on weight and drinking a shit ton. Mm. And um, I went dressed as Santa. I went to, um, <laughs> went to got a Santa outfit from Mengi's. <laughs> from Mengi's? From Mengi's? With these whole yeah. Santa outfits? Yeah, like a five quid Santa outfit. So Jeez. I got absolutely fucking tanked. Um, and just was just fucking in the pit all the time, just Santa, just being a proper twat, making an absolute ass out of myself. But it was one of those where the gigs at like seven, mm. but I was there from like eleven in the afternoon. Oh, sorry, eleven Jesus. in the morning, just getting absolutely twatted. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Another time, I went to see the Black Crusade with um, my mate Carl, and we got a bottle of Jaeger and went on the big Ferris wheel in um, in the middle of Manchester. And the guy wouldn't let us on with a bottle of Jaeger, and we were like, "What if we got?" what if we got two large Cokes from McDonald's and we just decaled it into that? He was like, yeah, that's acceptable. So we just ended up getting on a, getting absolutely twatted on the first wheel. These are all like, they're not all just like, I got shit face stories because they're the worst stories, but it's just like little moments like that. Good mm. fun. Just like reckless abandon. Uh, I'm trying to think of some more of mine. I've got, I've got um, another one, which was a black Label society in, in Manchester in 2005 right. got it got cancelled we all were all queuing to get in it got cancelled because a local bike gang <clears throat> uh, took umbrage uh, i think maybe that wasn't the official story i don't know um oh that was the official i don't know um but they took umbrage and it basically resulted in the entire crowd marching to the hotel where zach wilde was <laughs> and demanding an explanation <laughs> and eventually we got like all oh, right we've seen the tour manager now that's um that's enough for this adventure and got the train home I don't think I've ever been to a uh, concert that got cancelled like that. No, um, neither have I. Neither have I. Not, not since. Not prior to. I mean, I guess uh, on the, sort of related to that is another experience. The first time I saw Between the Buried and Me live uh, in like this tiny shitty club called Moho, which is in uh, northern quarter of Manchester. If you know Manchester, mm-hmm. um, and it's been it was being refurbished for a long time. I don't know if they ever finished refurbishing it. They might have just given up on it. It was. Like the fucking ceiling was it was about six foot high. So you could you could touch the ceiling with your hands. Yeah. And it was so like humid and sweaty and oh. hot in there. By the end, people were intentionally like swiping the ceiling and like swiping all the sweat that had, um, <laughs> condensed on the ceiling onto people. And like yeah. everyone was doing it. They were like having a sweat fight. It was fucking grim. But it was <laughs> one of the best concerts I've ever been to, really. And probably done irreparable damage to my ears because I was like they didn't even have a stage, it was just you know, gated off part of the room. Yeah. Um, where you just stood in front of the band, like two feet away, and you're also two feet away from the fucking speaker, just blasting into your ears. I think there was another gig memory. Maybe it's not one of the best gigs. Yeah, I know, it was really good. Saw Down in 2008, and that was the same day Manchester um, Academy decided to put in air conditioning. That was <laughs> the day I realized that that's now a thing. And it was like, yes, I'm at the front row. I've got a little, I'm half cut. Usually this is a sweaty mess, but I'm actually quite cool. This is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. that time I saw Between the Bear and Me that was actually the first time I ever heard Animals as Leaders because they were supporting oh nice and uh, I'd, I'd never heard of them I think we got there about halfway into the set and they had some like massive issue with the sound I don't know what was happening they obviously didn't have a fucking sound guy or anything in that place because it was just mm. literally a little bar um, so we heard them play like once we're probably like they're probably up on stage well whatever it was the excuse for a stage for about um half an hour and they managed to play about one song Fuck. like they were just fucking around with a sound like the whole time and they just sort of played one song when it sounded a bit shitty and left and like uh, yeah i was such a, like a naive naive child back then yeah, i couldn't really see the stage of who was playing and um i could just hear like you know obviously they don't have a bassist in animals as lead and i just said mm. to my mate like oh can you hear that fucking bass that's crazy that um because <laughs> you know like crazy it's just super naive to the concept of fucking eight string guitars and uh, yeah. the kind of slapping they would you know they, they do a lot of like slapping on the low string don't they which does yep. emulate the bass which is sort of the reason really well. the bass um, which is why I was like and especially I guess because of the, the mix because you know that's one of the issues they were having it was just like super pronounced and all you could really hear was like a slap bass guitar with no bass guitarist anywhere to be seen stranger so that was my that's the only time I've ever seen them live actually it was it's a bit of a fuck up but it was uh, it's interesting yeah um and another highlight of mine was finding a between the brand new between the Bear and me t-shirt just outside the venue as we were leaving. 
Or that was on like, Yeah. I was just like, sweet, sweet, 20 quid t-shirt. Fuck could take that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, if I had a choice, I would have chosen a different design, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, Fucking giving Kirk Hammett shit for selling a guitar and <laughs> you're stealing t-shirts left, right, and center. Oh, is it stealing? It's, it's, finders, it's the finders keepers rule, I think. <laughs> uh, and then the only the, another experience I guess we had was um, Stuart and I went to see We Came As Romans live and we'd paid like an extra fucking 30 quid for the VIP uh, VIP ticket where you get to watch the band play an acoustic set before the before the actual concert and um, you know meet the band and get your shit signed and stuff yeah. and we got there and there were already people queuing up for the concert and stuff and you know, there wasn't any signage or anything. So like, I guess we asked the security guard and we didn't know what was going on. So we queued up. We were queuing up for about 45 minutes. And I think at some point we were like, uh, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't this fucking uh, acoustic VIP session be starting by now? So we asked them, we're like, oh, are you, uh, are you here for this acoustic fucking set? And they were like, what the fuck is that? We're like, oh, shit. Uh, so we go up to the security guard and they're like, we we get ushered in like VIP is like running upstairs to the fucking route to the uh, the concert hall and stuff, and they just finished the acoustic set, and it was like <laughs> so fucking embarrassing because it was like you know there are only about twenty five six tickets sold or something, so there weren't a lot of people there. It was just this band they just finished the set, and we were like, oh yeah, oh, we we, uh, we uh, missed the train because uh, we we weren't going to fucking admit we've been stood there for like an hour like, <laughs> while they were playing the set inside. It's just fucking embarrassing. For shame, yeah. For shame, right? That's all I've I've got. To, I've got, got. I've got to fucking bounce. I've got to bounce. I've got to fucking right. go. We should do that again oh. with Dave, though. I'm sure Dave's got a few. I've probably got a few more. That yeah, same here. We should probably have a proper think of that one. Yeah, well, I had a think, but I don't know. There's probably some more just in the back of my mind somewhere. Sweet. Let's bounce. All right. All right. All right. Nice talking to you. I'll do you want to? A bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even bothered about doing the sign-off. If you, I've now taken just saying Googlers. Googlers. I've managed to corner the market. There's no other players out there. Fair enough. But it's not with a G, though. That's Blair with no G. Yeah, it's a dry Blair, as I call it. Mm. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the, the throaty Blair. That's yeah, right. Stomach, stomach Blair. Right, catch you. All right. In a bit. Hello.